Strap yourself in because we're set up, switched on, and ready to go. Hello, Cosmos Country, and welcome back to another edition of First Team Podcast. I'm your host, John Frashante. I am joined on this week's episode by Ty Otto, the owner of Oxnord Guerreros FC. He is still deciding on what's going to happen for his club in the 2021 season regarding the National Premier Soccer League, but they are now currently competing in the United Premier Soccer League. To some people, that is a competing league at that same level, but he joins the show to discuss our exclusive first team podcast is exclusive uh, article on the National Premier Soccer League. If you haven't checked it out yet, it is titled NPSL Stakeholders Express Disappointment in Leadership, in League Leadership. It is a, a very detailed article on the current state of uh, the National Premier Soccer League. There is still a lot more digging we are doing at First Team Podcast to uh, reveal more information uh, on the league uh, because the owners, and it's very sad, but the owners of clubs in the league have to express their disappointment because the current leadership are not hearing those uh, sounds. They're not hearing those warning sounds when uh, the owners do come out and uh, do voice their frustrations. But uh, that's really sad. But hopefully over the next couple of weeks, we have more guests on, more owners, more stakeholders in the league, maybe uh, league uh, management or board of directors. A board of director might come on the show uh, to uh, clarify what's going on behind the scenes. But this is what's going on according to our sources over the past month talking to various people throughout the league um, on what's going on on the day-to-day operations of the MPSL. And it's a very juicy article. Go check it out. From the AGM to the league budget and the percentage of where that budget goes to for the league operations. So please check out our exclusive article on firstteampod.com. Check it out today. It is titled, First Team Podcast Exclusive. NPSL stakeholders express disappointment in leadership. And, and I am joined today by Oxnord Guerrero's FC owner, Ty Otto, to discuss the article because, again, he was in the league. He is still a member legally. He is still a member of the league, of the NPSL, and he fields a team in the UPSL, but he is reconsidering his options for the 2021 season. So, here he is, the one and only Tayado. And if you have any questions, any comments, if you want to join the discussion, please email the show firstteampod at gmail.com. I'm basically, I'm still in the NPSL on paper. Um, and I will be evaluating it in the long term. 2021 is questionable for us. We, we've, we've always been evaluating both options, um, you know, the NPSL and the UPSL. Uh, USL two is, isn't very responsive to us. So, uh, we, we have given up on that pursuance, but it's just a matter of what you get out of each league and, uh, where the value is, you know, what are your fans like? What do you like? 
what what does the soccer landscape like um and then just how do you basically represent your guys on a year-round basis and and keep it afloat according to our sources Sydney is the managing director and she's on a comfortable wage uh, along with the leadership staff. Uh, do you think that's the right decision? Because I know owners put in uh, about 5500 each year for that yearly fee um, and that's meant to go to um, run the league. Uh, but I don't think it's meant to go towards uh, a very comfortable wage for the leadership staff. So um, what do you think about that? Uh, I'd have to look at how much she's being paid. I don't know if six figures is is quite on the on the button. I think it. I think six figures might be for two or three total people, like Cindy plus two others. But I could be wrong. Um, I, I had a, I'd have to look at the numbers. I, I I'd like to see the wage is one thing. Uh, you know, you have to look at how much is going into that versus how much is going into, for example, playoffs and travel and AGM and maybe benefits that we get. Um, I do think that it's a bit high. Um, maybe, maybe high for what we're getting in return. Um, I've been in the league for a long time and I want to see constant improvement, especially with that kind of a salary. And I, I, it's pretty stagnant. It would be okay if there was a lot more return on the investment. You mentioned the AGM there. Um, and, uh, do you think it was worth your time? And can you please explain, uh, for the listeners, uh, about the yearly gathering of league officials because um, and this is all off of our article first team podcast is article on our website which was a first team podcast exclusive on the MPSL leadership and and how the league is ran um, on and off the field so was it worth your time because I know the uh, stakeholders of the league had to show up unless they didn't they got fined and they faced um, some retribution on that front. Um, so uh, there's no virtual uh, town hall or virtual meeting, and um, the league didn't comp your travel and your hotel. So it wasn't worth your time as a owner in the league. No, it's um, that's a. So I've read your article, by the way, um, and it's pretty accurate. Um, I I um, the AGM is an interesting one because you cover a lot of stuff that probably could be covered online. Um, I, I think that we could probably have a zoom meeting for an hour, uh, you know, each day over the course of the weekend and probably get a lot of these things done. And, 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 you know, the productive conferences do all the things like schedule planning and stuff well in advance. So you're really just flying out there for a formality. Um, and, and flying is not free. Um, the hotels, uh, you get like a discount, but you can find a cheaper Airbnb, for example. Um, you know, I think in your article, you said somebody spent like a grand. I'll tell you it is way over that for me. And it kind of pisses me off even showing up. Um, other people make up excuses to avoid a fine from the league of, I think $1,500 for not showing up. I personally flew myself and my girlfriend back from a wedding in Australia just to go to this stupid meeting. Um, and, uh, you know, she got sick and I missed a day while I was there to take care of her. And they charged me $700, um, for not being there for a vote. And, um, you know, I just, I don't know, it's, it's frustrating. It, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And then 
there's all sorts of other things going on. But ultimately, I don't know how much of the budget goes into the AGM. I'm sure it could be scrapped, and I'm sure we could do it all online over a Zoom call, um, just like everyone else is doing. And that would save us some money. Um, I, I think that you know when it, it's 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 more about the little costs that add up in this league because they're not little costs. In other leagues, they're they are little costs. In this league, they're inflated for some reason. Um, but it's it's you know it is a superior product, and if you want to pay that amount of money, you will get. Um, I really don't know if that's right, but you'll get some form of a structure like an AGM if that's what you want to spend your money on. Um, I guess if that answers it. But ultimately, I wish I had said, you know, my girlfriend and I are getting married or some shit like that. And then like just been like, sorry, can't make it. Or I mean, one guy said he had a kid and yeah, I'm sure he had a kid, Um, you know, but does he get the fine? No, I get a fine for taking care of my girlfriend when I spent I think five grand pretty much to freaking attend this event. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's wild to me. Um, technically on paper, their rules say if I'm not at the AGM or in attendance, they can charge me. And I technically sign off on that. So they can charge me that. I think it's bullshit. Um, I think that, you know, there's all sorts of, I mean, they, they're, they have a system in place, a fining system for things like, um, I mean, for example, our, our scoreboard we built it even though the rules say it has to be an led well the bottom line is people will come and ruin my scoreboard in the middle of the night in my stadium so instead we built one instead of spending four grand that was approved by the league however when we played a game it was reported that we had an incorrect board and then i woke up to a 400 dollars fine and i'm like why did i get fined 400 bucks and then i had to you know go through the motions and complain and stuff and and they basically took it off but I think that there's just, they've just got all these systems in place and they're just kind of running around going, we've got these systems, follow the system. And I love systems, but if the system is shit, then it's not going to be good. The reason why they have the AGM is because uh, you need to vote. The owners have to vote for the yearly budget. Uh, So um, I know when you arrive there, because of the reporting over the past month, when you arrive to the AGM, uh, you uh, receive the budget and the proper documents to evaluate before you can vote. So um, as an owner in the league, are you allowed to maybe change your mind or negotiate with other owners on the budget? Or is that a fixed budget from the board of directors, from the leadership staff that you guys just have to say yes or no to? Or, or can you say, well, we don't want so-and-so on that much money or, or we don't want so much money on marketing or to go to this way, we want it going towards a cash prize for the winner or going to another thing for the league because the league sells himself as a nonprofit. We're for our members. We're for all of that. But to a point, they're not for that because if everyone doesn't have a say, which how can hundreds of people have a say in one room? You guys can't, right? You You guys all can't come to the same agreement to something unless it's a budget and you could say yes or no to you know what i mean so yeah um i mean that's pretty accurate but i will um basically all the big decisions are made in advance and they're made by the people who are in power um and not everybody in power by the way has the wrong idea there are a lot of people up there who have good ideas but they can't implement them 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think that everything is already decided before we get there. And the idea of us having an open discussion about it is about three minutes where we vote yes or no. And so we see the budget and then we get about two minutes to digest it and then two minutes to discuss it. And then people argue and then they just kind of go, all right, we're done here. Time for a vote. Let's force the vote. And then enough people in the room vote yes every time. So on paper, we do have a voice, but I've never in my years of being in the in the league seen any discussion, for example, on where we should put this money other than people bitched enough about the AGM um, that, you know, we didn't have food at the last two, I think, um, you know, but I mean, that's I'm very confused about that. And then. I mean, I don't want to, like, get deeply involved on legalities, but um, I am, you know, I've observed that they're not a 5103C. They're actually an LLC, which means they are for making a profit. And, um, you know, there's other owners in the league who have been very vocal about this, and they are not in the league anymore. Um, So, I mean, I don't know if they're a 510C3 or not. I haven't looked it up myself. Um, But, you know... People have stopped me at prior AGM, specifically one in New Orleans, which was interesting. Um, and this, I mean, is, you know, full full stuff. I mean, they're not, an, I mean, a, a few years ago, they were not a 510C3. If they are now, good for them um, because they would at least be doing what they said they're doing. A lot of people that I talk to throughout the game, right, there's the argument to say that a nonprofit is good for a league, right, because everyone has a say, everyone has a vote, right? And then on the other hand, a league being a LLC for profit, um, it shows that the league has an ambition to make some money because that's what leagues are doing. I'm sorry to cut you off. There's nothing wrong with either of those. I personally, the Guerreros are an LLC. Mm-hmm. Now, the Youth Academy, the Oxnard Guerreros Youth Academy, mm-hmm. is a 5103C. Two entirely different entities. Mm-hmm. And they both, I mean, I mean, I run the adult team how I want, period. I mean... People are trying to get me to start us right now and rush a season during COVID-19. Why? We're starting in August. We're not playing danger games with a disease. Like, screw that. However, our youth program, if they want to play right now, they meet up, they have a vote, and people argue for hours. And I'm talking parents. I'm talking business owners. I'm talking people who are involved in this thing. 510C3. Alex Garcia, who runs it, who is an ex-Oxnard Guerrero athlete, has zero say. I mean, and that's the way a proper 510C3 is ran. So uh, you can take what you want out of that, but I I have experience in both of them. Um, And I know how a 510C3, you know, I've been in the meetings. I actually am not any part of the Youth Academy. It's its own entire thing. But I sit there and I see and they do a great job of listening and basically responding. If a parent doesn't like the kit, trust me, it's known and it's redesigned and everybody likes the kit by the end mm-hmm. of the meeting. Moving on from the AGM chat here. Um, for example, you probably know Nader, uh, the owner of uh, Orange County FC. Uh, he is very vocal on the current state of the MPSL, as you can see uh, in our article on First Team Pod on the current state of the MPSL. But uh, Ty, do you believe that there are current uh, owners in the MPSL at the moment that don't like the current state of the league, but 
but are continuing to compete in the league. I know you said that you're still in the league, but you're considering that. Um, so do you think that there are owners in the league that um, maybe don't like the current setup but are still there? Well, Nader is a very vocal guy. He's very bubbly. I love him. Um, I've known him for four or five years. Um, his whole program is great. I mean, you can't knock his program. Mm -hmm. And if you are, you really don't know semi-pro football. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, he is probably one of the top semi-pro advocates. Um, and what he says, you know, people, people write him off because of his, his, um, demeanor. No, he's a very successful businessman. He's, he's got, you know, over 40 businesses that he manages, and this is not his first one. He, he is vocal for a reason. Um, if it wasn't for him speaking up, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. Um, I look up to him as a businessman, uh, and I support his decision to, to leave the league. Um, I, choosing my own path, uh, I'm still evaluating it. You know, I, I could, I could sit in the, um, uh, I forgot what it's called, but you can buy in to basically skip the year for a certain amount of money. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, instead of spending six figures on running this club in this league, maybe I'll pay that fee and just hang 10 for a couple years and see what happens with leadership and where the league itself will go. Um, you know, I think Nader, you know, based on his attitude, you know, he's the type of guy, he makes a decision and he's going to stick by it. So he chose to leave the league and he's going to stick by it. I am evaluating it. And, you know, I'm, I'm openly critical of um, what's going on with the leadership and, and how it's being ran. Now, I could get burned from it and I could never be in the league ever again because of this. Um, I do think that I, I'm allowed to, to say how I feel about the league. Um, and, you know, as a business owner who invests a lot of money into the soccer team and my community, um, I don't, you know, I'm looking for my community's best interest. Um, I, you know, I'm looking at having a soccer team that lasts for a hundred years, not one that lasts for five years because I had to pay too much. Um, and so I, you know, we'll evaluate 2021, as I said, because 2020 is canceled. Um, we are always in the UPSL without question. Um, we, you know, we did that for the first time this last year, uh, our fall 2019 season. Uh, and it was, you know, it was good. Um, I, you know, sure you could, you could complain and compare and contrast the two leagues, but I, I think that the UPSL is truly positioned for what a semi-pro team should be and a, a semi-pro team should start as, and they should look to grow into an actual professional entity, not some middle ground where you're really spending a lot more money than you're making. And so the UPSL does a good job of going, okay. These guys aren't pros. They're not probably getting salaries, but they're trying to make a better career and, and create an opportunity to go pro as an athlete. And that's what the UPSL is about. And I think that the MPSL is about that too. But I think that they've created a system where there's just a financial barrier. And I think that the discussion of soccer on a larger scale is everybody knows soccer is not supposed to be a sport for people to buy into heavily. You shouldn't have to invest thousands of dollars on your kids. Um, I mean, Zlatan, who I don't even like, I, I'm an LAFC fan, uh, you know, he talked about his kids uh, having a, he has to cough up like four grand a season just to get his kids on a decent soccer team in America. That's not the way it should be. If you, on my team, 
it, it costs $15 to get viewed by me, basically, and you get tryouts and everything. And then you get to practice with us if you're good enough. And then we'll make you pay your $30 registration and $50 for your practice equipment. And you're done forever. I mean, if you stick with me for years and years and years, I pay your registration. I give you new equipment. Like, basically, your skin in the game is is that. And that's – I only do that to cover my liabilities because people walk away. Um, you know, that is like – I think that is how much it should cost at a maximum for grassroots football. And the club should be sustained by the fan base and by the sponsors and by selling products and food. It shouldn't be supported by owners writing fat checks constantly. It's just changing the way the game is uh, managed in this country. And talking about management, um, I know you talked about the MPSL management a little bit there, but uh, you don't want to agree to or you you don't believe that they're on six figures, for example. Um, But I don't think that matters for this conversation, right? The point I'm trying to get to is um, how do you think they're doing at their job, right? Uh, if owners are upset, if people are angry at the direction of the league, I guess they need some guidance and they need um, some more voices in the room and not making it, if they really are a nonprofit, right? If they are a nonprofit, they should have um, more voices and more chances to express their opinion rather than the staff and the MPSL leadership making the decisions and then approaching the owners at the AGM saying, what do you think about this? But it's like, we weren't uh, in the discussions earlier. So that's not helping us out. It's a tough one. Um, you've got, you've got, you know, about, you know, roughly you've got some years is 94, other years is 107 or something like that, but you have roughly a hundred teams, right? So you have a hundred owners and they, they've all got to kind of agree on something. So, I think that it is up to management, like the top people, to lead the ship and say, hey, this is what we should be doing as a league, but do we all agree on it? And it's it's more of a like, this is what we are doing as a league. And and that kind of sucks. Um, I, I, I think that, I mean, Jeff Fiffault was the prior person to Cindy, and I don't really know how much he did because him and I didn't have the best beginning. Um, he, <laughs> I caught him basically like making fun of me at the bar and that was the first time I met him. So we, we, you know, that was an interesting one, but he resigned within six months or something like that. And he resigned because he said he couldn't, he couldn't do anything. And so like, I don't, he said he couldn't do anything. He was constricted by the owners. And I thought that was kind of funny um, and then Cindy took over and she laid out a huge plan actually about how, you know, she was going to move forward. She, I remember, I think it was in Minnesota. She had like a plan of how she was going to outline everything now that she's in charge. Cause Joe Barone stepped down and I was like, I actually went up and shook her hand. I was like, you know what? I was a little concerned and, uh, thank you for outlining what you're going to do basically, because me as an owner who invests over a hundred grand a year into my club, I want to know what's going on. And she said, oh, thank you. But she basically was like, oh, this guy, you know, because that's who I am. Um, And so that's how they view me, at least. Um, And so I just moved on. And uh, here we are two years later, and I don't really see any growth, especially from her. Um, And, uh, you know, I I have respect for her. Don't get me wrong. She has a great career. Um, I just I. I just want to see more. I, I just I expect from the salary that 
I mean, I can't even remember. I can't even remember exactly how much her salary is, but I mean, there's salaries that are fat, and I think that if you're promoting a league, a semi-pro league, and you're getting that kind of a salary, you should be going full in on it, um, and you should be working. Basically, you should be making the right decisions. I, I think in your article was it work smart, not hard. Yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. Um, I, I there are people in the leadership that work smart. But then the ones who are working hard are working hard to shut them up. So uh. <laughs> It feels like there's two strongholds on the game. You have MLS and uh, Sacramento Marketing. And then you have the grassroots stronghold, which is uh, MPSL, UPSL, and the United States Adult Soccer Association that is holding uh, the stakeholders back, the players, the owners. Um, and basically, people don't have their fair say, which that's what everyone's selling them on. Having your fair chance to influence and to um, have your opinions being heard, whereas it's not that. It's people on big wages, whereas it's a semi-pro amateur league. Not even the owners are making the money that they're putting in. They're not making the money back. So there are people out there that say, well, yeah, if you want to run a professional league, if you want it to come across as professional, not on the field, but if you want it to be taken seriously, you need people working full time. And yeah, you do. But in the region of, uh, 60 to a hundred grand, I don't think that's a fair really. Well, I think that it actually could be fair if the reward, if the benefits are there. So, um, you know, I, I don't receive the benefits from this huge operational budget, basically. Now, you can look at other leagues. Um, you know, I believe Nader spoke about the UPSL's budget in your article. Um, so I have not looked at the numbers. However, they've got how many hundreds of teams? And they all pay, you know, various amounts of money and I know the, you know, there's Leonard, Jan, there's multiple guys who run UPSL and they do get paid and they have a vision for what semi-pro soccer should be. And I think that what is semi-pro soccer and how does it fit into the landscape? Like, like whether we have a, a soccer pyramid or not of promotion relegation, there should still be a league in each slot. And so, like, the question is, what is semi-pro? What is the top flight of semi-pro? What should that be? Should it be something where owners are spending that six-figure and not making it back? I don't think so. I, I mean, I, I think that, it, it, you know, there's, there's lots of other things that you could do. I, th- I think that semi-pro teams could be, are mainly about community support and, and growing your community and creating jobs in there and an identity and then having legitimacy from professional clubs to basically move talent up instead of having these programs. I mean, I, look, they're, the it, programs are great, no matter how you put it. Like, it's good that these pro teams have their own programs. However, there should also be an acceptance to semi-pro teams that there is talent out there. Um, and, and so that's, you know, that's what we want is semi-pro clubs. Like, we didn't get in this necessarily to make money. We got in this to build something for our communities. And I think that's what a lot of people are doing. Um, I'm in it to make money and to build my community and put Oxnard on the map. Everybody knows Oxnard is a powerhouse, but there's no investment in it. And so I can invest, but only so much. And so what I need is I need legitimacy from the pro clubs above us. I need legitimacy, legitimacy from U.S. soccer 
Like I need a blueprint. And I think that I think that US soccer does a bad job of going, here's a blueprint for starting a semi-pro club. Be prepared to spend up to a hundred grand a year. Be prepared to spend up to fifty grand a year. You know, contact this specific avenue to have opportunities to even connect with professional clubs to show them your product. We need some support like that. I'm not saying give me money. Now, I do think that there needs to be protection of semi-pro athletes. So I think that if you have somebody who you've taken care of for five years as a semi-pro club and they go on to be a pro, the club should receive some form of compensation to reinvest, whether that's practice, equipment, community engagement even. But you need to have that, that benefit from the, from the pro clubs. Because right now what happens is, I mean, I lose one or two players a year to a pro team that gives me nothing. And so, you know, the, it's you can't protect semi-pro players in this environment because it's set up to rob players from you. And so as a semi-pro guy, you know, I, I, we just we just want we want legitimacy from pro clubs and we want community growth. We don't want to keep investing fat amounts of money just for every bit of value to be taken from us. I have a guy who's in Australia right now playing for um, Central Coast Mariners. They're uh, they're they have a, a, a farm team. I you know, and I'm never gonna stop a player. But he went, hey, can I go? And I said, yeah, go. You know, and he's gonna have a great future with the Central Coast Mariners, and good for him. But it sucks that I didn't receive ten thousand dollars to reinvest because that would have really helped my bottom line out. You know what I mean? Um, it, you know, that would have helped me give a whole nother day of practices for the whole year. Um, that's the kind of stuff that we want. And so, you know, when I look at how much it costs to be in the NPSL, I'm going, okay, well, ugh, okay. Is this really helping me right now? <laughs> I think that compensation problem is not just for, uh, the lower divisions. It's also for the professional ranks as well. MLS, US, I mean, uh, NISA, USL, it impacts uh, the whole country in that aspect. Um, but two last questions here, Ty. Um, can you talk to our listeners and just explain maybe how much more value or how much more excitement maybe the UPSL brings than the MPSL? Because I know the UPSL, they do offer prize money. So to a certain extent, if you had a lot of money as an owner, you would invest it with the hope of putting together a great squad, a great club, and you can win 60 grand, 70 grand and reinvest that, maybe profit some of that because you put money into your club. And the MPSL doesn't have that. The UPSL has podcasts, has weekly shows, has all of that to promote their brand and their clubs. And the MPSL has hundreds of clubs, probably thousands of players, but they're not uh, giving them that uh, asset, right? That is an asset, having all that infrastructure, has ha having all those players and clubs. Why don't they use that to grow what they're doing and maybe bring in more sponsorship dollars or, or have a broadcasting deal or TV deal? People laugh at a TV deal. Duluth FC in the MPSL in the Midwest has a local TV deal. So this is not like uncharted waters. It's one club. Imagine if a hundred clubs had some sort of way to leverage their their uh, their local towns and saying, "Hey, you could be on 
local TV or national TV once in a while for your playoffs or whatever. You know what I mean? But just uh, giving those owners something to uh, to use so they can invest and they can hopefully get their money back eventually because that's what – it's not a business, right? You're not coming in into this to make a million dollars, but if that's there eventually, you guys would want to invest more. You know what I mean? So – Whew, okay. All right. I'm going to try and unpack all that. That was pretty intense. Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple things. First of all, the NPSL does um, pay for travel costs. So that's factored into the budget. Um, I do think that uh, it's not why the budget is so high, though. Uh, but, you know, what the difference, though, is that the NPSL pays for the playoffs. You win. You don't have to pay next year. So you can take that at whatever value. Now, the UPSL offers a cash prize, but you got to fly your guys out. You got to pay for the hotel. You got to pay for the food. So it's really, you know, like a lot of, I've heard from a lot of UPSL owners that they don't even like being in the finals because they don't want to pay the 20 to 30 grand to get over there just to lose. Um, so, so you do have, I mean, I personally though, if, if my operational budget, you know, is, is goes down to about 40 K goes to 50 K 60 K and then we get to that opportunity to fly out, I'm going to throw up the extra 20, 30 K to fly my boys out. So, you know, it's, it's, you got to kind of weigh it out. Um, so that was one thing that you mentioned. Um, the other thing is, uh, you know, yeah, we're all in it to make money. Um, I, I will, this club, I doubt it will ever make a million dollars. Um, I'm a lifelong Everton fan. Um, I've been following them for freaking almost 20 years now. Um, they started in 1878 as an after school church soccer team. And now they are what they are. And there's way bigger clubs than Everton. But my goal is to have Oxnard be a powerhouse that's identified on the map. And the Oxnard Guerreros are the club that, you know, started not the first team there because there's hundreds of teams here, but basically tried to unify all these teams together to get recognized in, in competitive play instead of being this this ridiculous Sunday powerhouse community that we are, basically. Um, so it, it's... And my fans, my fans don't see a difference in the product because there isn't. Um, you know, there's great UPSL teams. There's bad UPSL teams. There's great NPSL teams. There's bad NPSL teams. The worst team I've ever played against was City of Angels FC, and they were a complete joke. I mean, that was – I don't even know how they got into the NPSL other than they just kept paying money. And then the UPSL, I mean, they're just a joke. They're gone. Um, but I mean that the worst team I've ever experienced was in the NPSL. Uh, ultimately I I think that at the end of the day, um, the NPSL is not a bad league with bad intentions. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, there's still a, they still have the best intentions. It's just not being executed to the highest ability. And with, with the budget that it is currently taking, it's, it should be higher. Um, that you know, and and I have respect for everybody who works in the NPSL, including Cindy. I don't want to get taken out of you know. I don't want her to think that I absolutely hate her because I don't. I'm just critical of how things are ran. Um, you know, the UPSL, you know, they do it. They do a decent job of how they run it, and I think that that is more of a footprint to follow. Um, 
So I, I think that it really comes back to, you know, y- you can hate leagues, you can like leagues, but what is what is good for semi-pro soccer moving forward? What is the future of semi-pro soccer and what should it be so that there can be as many semi-pro teams as possible and, and to promote the best talent and create a team for the United States that will win the World Cup? I mean, that's, you know, before we die. I mean, that's that's a great, you know, Dennis Crowley, I think, said that. And that's a great sort of milestone. Let's win a World Cup with the United States before we die. I mean, that starts with grassroots football. And so I, I think that, you know, we need full grassroots reform. Um, and so I, I think that, you know, that comes down to what is a semi-pro club? It should be flexible, but to a limit. So if you want to invest tons of money, then you do that. But it shouldn't hinder everyone else. And, you know, the, you know, is six figures from owners right? Probably not for semi-pro clubs. Um, I think that, you know, you need community support. And that, that means community engagement and community, not corporate engagement. So you got to really have grassroots reform. That goes back there. And the, and the final thing is that we want acceptance or legitimacy from professional clubs. We just want opportunities to show our guys. And we don't want such a barrier to entry to be able to show them. I mean, we're, we're all basically building these clubs to give our communities a voice and opportunity and to create jobs uh, and, and to just have have a good soccer environment. And we, we hinder that when we put the prices high and when the professional clubs turn away even giving us legitimacy. Because what we really want is even if we don't have a soccer promotion relegation pyramid, we want somewhere for everybody to go. We want somewhere for everybody to go. And if you have Messi on your team, he shouldn't have to pay thousands of dollars to be seen. He should just be seen, and then he should go. (laughs) He should go up. And I think that's the whole point. I think that there needs to be a blueprint for entrepreneurs and communities to create their own semi-pro teams. And that's my whole point. That's why I'm here with you today. I'm here because semi-pro soccer needs help. It needs help and legitimacy from the people that hold the keys to soccer in the United States. But we, we want to be seen. That's, that's really it. Um, and so, you know, I will live and die by this, I'm sure. Uh, you know, if I get burned, I, I don't, you know, I, I'm here for semi-pro. I'm not here for any league specifically. I'm here for my boys in Oxnard, getting them where they should go. Um, and I will pick the best league to do that. Can you explain a little bit more about uh, your club for people that don't know about it? I know you're uh, in the UPSL and exploring uh, possibly staying in the MPSL on that inactive fee, right? That's what you were saying earlier. You didn't know um, what that was, the the name for that, um, which is over $1,000. You can pay each year to remain in the, in the league as a member. I think you still have a vote, right? Yeah, I think. Actually, I don't think you have a vote. I think you just... You're basically just hanging on the fences and then you don't need to pay whatever the fee is to get back in. Um, and I'll tell you right now that it's, you know, it's, it's, it's under two grand a year. Um, and, you know, it, to buy into the league for the first time, it costs like 30, 30 G's, maybe more. I don't know what it is now. But, you know, from an investment standpoint, if you believe that the leadership will get their act together or change or create a great vision and implement it, um, you know, if you can cough up that money every year and hang around, um, it's not a bad idea. Now, 
the league has to allow you to hang around, I don't know if I'll be allowed to hang around anymore. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, but, you know, it, it, what are the Guerreros doing right now? Basically, we're, we're hanging 10 because of this coronavirus. We're not starting early. I'm not letting my guys get sick. We don't handle a common cold well. When a common cold comes through my team, everybody gets it. So I'm not playing games with this. I've spoken to the UPSL already. Um, we could rush a season right now, but we're just hanging until um, basically August. So we're going to start up in the first week of August. And uh, our, what I'm working on right now really is just investing in our, our game day atmosphere, trying to improve it. We're doing some great stadium branding. So when, when the fans come back, it's instead of it being the stadium that we put a couple banners out to, it's it's going to be the full experience. We're going to have nice Guerreros branding everywhere. So um, I'm working on that. I'm working on beer sales for our stadium. That's that's a big one, trying to get beer in there. Um, and, and affordable beer, like $2. Um, and then uh, we, we got some food stuff we're working on. We got, uh, you know, I got some sponsors. Um, preparing the stadium for social distancing. Uh, we're probably going to uh, have face masks uh, for sale. So, you know, like you might have to buy one for a dollar if you don't have one. Um, you know, and we're just practicing all these protocols. I mean, we got to, we got to, we're, we're identifying seats too to keep people away from each other. I mean, it's that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, and, and the final thing that I'm most proud about is, is I've been really working on ways to empower my athletes. Um, so if they want to make additional cash on the side, uh, they do public relations for me basically. And, uh, you know, we, we suit them up in all the equipment and all the gear and, and they get to go promote the Guerreros anywhere they want, whether it's their job, their church, their school, uh, you name it. And so and that kind of transitions back to what I think a club should be all about in semi-pro. Reward the people in your community. Create jobs, create opportunities, create purpose. And, uh, you know, once you get somebody started and motivated, they take it to the next level. I mean... I, there's so many people that do so much more for Guerreros than I do. Um, and it's a testament to them. And, uh, you know, the, as much as maybe I motivate them, they definitely motivate me because um, it's hard. You know, you lose a lot of money in this business. And uh, sometimes you don't want to keep going. But when there's hundreds of people that support you, you realize that it's a lot bigger than me. It's a lot bigger than anything like that. It's it's Guerreros, man. It's sick. So, like, you know, my goal is to just keep it going forever and then walk away. Do you think uh, the coronavirus pandemic, uh, do you think the, the lasting effects with the social distancing and having to wear the PPE, um, do you think that's going to hurt grassroots clubs where maybe they don't have as much resources as other big businesses do and other big clubs and big uh, leagues do? Uh, that have more resources, they can have that bubble and have 30 guys staying there and don't leave and and, and they get tested every day, right? So do you think um, the virus is going to impact the MPSL and the UPSL in the regards to um, maybe not having as many fans, for example, because you can't social distance, for example, if you don't own your stadium, if you can't put certain things in your venue, there is the possibility of not being able to have as many fans. Yeah, so I mean, ultimately, that the reason that we're not doing the season right now, mm -hmm. I've decided first and foremost as a health precaution because my community, as in Ventura County, the whole county, we're not really following the social distancing protocol very well. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, there is nobody wearing masks. There is no health. I mean, it's very bad, 
And so like my girlfriend has diabetes, like, you know, I, I'm very careful about this. Um, I'm surprised how few people are being careful about coronavirus. So I have decided personally, no, we're not doing anything until July. We're just skipping this, this time being. Now, I, I think that that was a decision not only for public health, but also for business. I would have no fans. I make most of my money from fan attendance. I still lose money, but I mean, my food sales, my merchandise sales, they all come from fan attendance. Uh, so if I don't have fans, then I don't have it. And I'm not going to put my fans in danger either, by the way. I'm not going to I'm not gonna put my athletes, I'm not going to put my fans, I'm not going to put my loved ones, my any, anyone. I'm just, it's not smart. And I think that we need to stop getting so political about this shit, you know? It's not about whether you're, like, you know, red or blue or anything. It's like, yo, let's just not, like, we all have loved people. Like, I have two family members who have had coronavirus. I'm not fucking around with this. Um, so, so, you know, it's, the MPSL canceled this year <laughs> somehow. Uh, you know, not really. They're all getting paid somehow. Um, but, you know, it's just wild to me. Uh, I, I think that, coronavirus has just put everything on pause. And I think that we need to stay on pause. So yeah, it sucks. It really does, especially for the athletes who are aging. Um, but we need, if we had done this right the first time, we wouldn't even be here right now. Um, and so we need to stop the bleeding before, before there's no blood left to let. I mean, quite literally. I um, personally have uh, been affected by it. Uh, not me personally, but my dad has it or had it and is uh, having the effects of it. You know what I mean? Uh, so I think people need to take it seriously, even though it hasn't affected you yet. And they think, oh, it's just the most vulnerable and, and it's just the older people. Well, no, it's people that are just everyday guys and girls and, and they're just outside doing their thing. And eventually you're going to get the virus. So I think people need to take that more seriously. And I don't think people are. But uh, going back to sport, uh, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, because I think a lot of people try to avoid sport. Uh, I mean, avoid uh, uh, coronavirus talk during this time. But even you eventually have to talk about it when you want to go to the game and when you want to play and, and if you own a club. So uh, I, I think they both go hand in hand. But it's I, expensive, man. Yeah. It's expensive. I have to buy the equipment to make sure all my fans and athletes are good. Yeah. And that's wild to me because I feel like if we all do the right thing, this is so avoidable. I just wanted to get your last thoughts on um, a quote from the article on firstteampod.com. Uh, a board member, Tim Sass, he was talking about, and, and I'm just going to paraphrase, uh, he was saying about how all the uh, leadership staff and um, the management team of the MPSL, they're still receiving their full salaries. So um, from a league that is seasonal, Right, most clubs are seasonal. Besides, if they play uh, their local league or the city and state leagues, um, it is seasonal, and uh, you have um, management staff working what three to four months seriously, working three to four months um, on the league. They might say that they work twelve months out of the year, but let's just say that they work hard uh, during the season or to prepare for the season, and then during the season. So for them to have their full salaries, I think that's a shame, but I would love to get your thoughts because there are um, executives in the NBA, in Major League Baseball, throughout a lot of traditional sports in the United States that are taking a pay cut, right? Uh, and they're most likely on millions of dollars or close to it, six figures. They're taking pay cuts 
And the players eventually are going to have to take pay cuts in the professional ranks in traditional sports. So when it comes to soccer and semi-pro soccer, they're not taking pay cuts in the executive branch of our MPSL. Yep. And um, to I just want to just because I know that I'm going to get blasted for this. I just want to remind everybody reading this or hearing this that, you know, I am allowed to state my opinions. Um, you know, uh, I found it offensive. I found it offensive. I found the uh, the way that everything was handled offensive. Um, sending an email with FAQs and basically saying we are aware that teams are going to drop out and we don't really care. That's that's offensive. Um, I personally was going okay. Well, I've had to you know adjust my own entire business um, and you know my my ways of actually making a living. I've had to adjust so. Why on earth am I paying these guys full term for a canceled season? Um, I found it offensive. And so that's when I started seriously weighing weighing my uh, my league choices out. And, uh, you know, I'm already in both leagues. Which one do I like more and which one's better for my community in the long run? Um, and that I found offensive. So I, I think that that's really – and I know I'm not the only owner who found that offensive. Um, I would imagine that your journalistic research has told you that. Yeah, and um, for people that are listening to this for the first time and just saying, like, what the hell is going on in the MPSL? Well, read the article, and uh, we have some uh, paragraphs from that FAQ, from that email from the league uh, that was provided to us from someone in the league. And, um, yeah, it's they put it out there that they expect that they're going to lose clubs, but... They did the math. They figured it out that the clubs that they're going to retain are good enough to, I guess, stay on their high wages and to continue to operate their uh, league. And then I also asked him, uh, who was a board of director and owner of Duluth FC, um, like, aren't you guys going to help clubs that are in the hard-hit areas? And he was like, well, it's hard to, like, pick who is in the hard-hit area. He was trying to say that, like... um, it's not aligned to where the confirmed cases are to a certain extent. I think he is right, right? Because if you are operating a business in Montana or Wyoming or whatever, you might do a certain business and you might have customers from the Midwest or from the East Coast. You know what I mean? So um, if you are in another industry, that might impact you. But then maybe he was trying to say that maybe some clubs can't operate because maybe their sponsors don't have so much more money. You know what I mean? So I lost all my financial sponsors this year, every single one. I think that's what he was trying to say in different words. I think he was trying to say that because of the global effect of the virus, not just because you're in an area with confirmed cases, you have that business impact. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, coronavirus doesn't care what your business is. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. Uh, It's, you know, there's a million ways I could address that, but I, I think that... I think they handled it wrong. I think that you do what everybody else in the business world is doing and you take a loss. You take an L. And I think the MPSL went, no, nah, we don't take Ls. We're above that. And uh, now they're getting some some backlash for it. I mean, yo, like I was very happy to be in the MPSL. And it's, you know, it's a pride thing, man. You are in the biggest semi-pro league. But man, after a while, you don't really give a fuck. <laughs> Honestly, like. Like, soccer is what soccer is going to be, regardless of who's running it. Uh, so, I don't know, man. I, I think that decision to not just reimburse everybody was foolish. 
I think that credits are foolish. I think that reimbursement is a statement. And uh, the statement is, we're with you for this. Not, eh, if you drop out, we don't really give a fuck. Lastly, Ty, I do want to address that if you do face backlash, if people from the MPSL do approach you and do say, like, why'd you say this? Um, to the people that are listening that are at the MPSL, board directors, uh, uh, leadership staff, he does have a platform and he should have a platform to be able to express his opinion um, because everyone is entitled to it. It doesn't matter what MPSL bylaw they bring up. Um, you are entitled to it. Uh, but then also, if you are facing that, please come back on First Team Podcast and um, tell us what went down because I think it's very important because I think a lot of fans see the MPSL as Sunday League or not as professional as, as MLS or NISA or USL, and they're not. But it takes serious dollars to to uh, field the MPSL club and uh, to not have that voice and to not have that say, I think it's really sad. Yeah, you know what? I'll I'll be happy to let you know what happens. Um, but I I think that you know I'm I'm sure that I'll have a discussion with some people about this, um, some higher ups, and you know uh, I just I hope that it's a respectful conversation. We'll see what happens. Yeah, you know what? It is what it is. Um, I know that there's a lot of people who feel how I feel. Um, they're just afraid to speak up, and I think that we need more people to speak up to make semi pro soccer better. So. If you have my feelings and you want to see semi-pro soccer improve, please speak up. Get involved. Um, Because if we don't make our voice heard, I don't think semi-pro soccer is going to change. It's just going to get worse. Um, I think that there are leagues doing a great job of promoting semi-pro soccer. And I think that we need to really look at what semi-pro soccer should be and reward the correct vision. Um, So, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, but I'm happy to speak up on behalf of people who are afraid to. I want to give a special thanks to Ty Otto for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it because uh, there's a lot of owners that I talk to. There's a lot of people throughout the MPSL that I talk to. Uh, because of this article, I'm starting to talk to more people throughout the league. And um, a lot of them don't want to discuss what's going on publicly. And I think that's something that fans have to take notice of. They have to understand that there's owners out there that are investing six figures that don't want to come out publicly and discuss what's going on in the league, in the MPSL, because they might face fines, they might face removal from the league, they might face retribution. And I, I think that's really sad I don't think that's getting uh, that much notice. I don't think uh, that's getting too much press. And the MPSL leadership, and Ty did mention this, that at one point, I don't know how true this is, but I am working on it. I'm going to work on clarifying that, and you can find uh, the updated information on our website, firstteampod.com, because once I have it clarified, I will uh, release an article. But he did mention... That at one point, in his belief, that uh, the league was at one point a LLC. A limited liability company, which means that they are a for-profit private organization. But from what I understand, and from what the board members and for what people are telling me, they're a non-profit. 
So I'm trying to do that digging and trying to clarify that. But like I said, if I do get at the bottom of that, I will uh, have it on firstteampod.com. But I think that's very important information because as a league, if you want to be transparent, and I don't think the MPSL is that, I think they do enough to um, the level, right, to that legal level to say, hey, we're somewhat transparent. Uh, we tell our owners where the money goes to and they approve the budget, right? So so they're um, they're just ticking the boxes, basically. They have their yearly AGM. But I think it's very powerful and it's very brave for Ty to come on the show. And there's no doubt that there are people listening out there that have power, that can control people's destinies in U.S. soccer. And people might think that, oh no, it's just MPSL, it doesn't matter, it's not important. But it is important. People like Ty, they spend their hard-earned money, right? They're investing thousands on thousands of dollars. In some cases, people are pumping in the entire operating expenses. They're they're paying for every single thing the club needs in the form of six figures for a MPSL club. For a MPSL club, I know you can run on a on a lower budget, but I believe these leagues put out requirements that you need to have a certain amount of money you need to operate at a certain level i know the upsl does it you you have to have a certain uh budget each year to make it work so it's not a standard it's not a lower division standard it's you need a certain amount of money to be able to survive as a club i think the biggest thing is fans don't see it as that important they can support it they can love it They can enjoy it, but I don't think people actually sit down and think that it takes big money to make this work, even at the MPSL level. Even at the MPSL level. And we we bash MLS, we bash uh, USL to a certain extent and say they're not so transparent. They're not um, great for the game. But to a certain extent, the MPSL, the way they are currently set up, the current league management is not good for lower division soccer, is not good for non-league soccer in the United States. We need more transparency. We need better leadership. I think you will have better clubs. You will have um, maybe different ownership groups rejoin the league um, or continue to be a member because they will have accountability and they will have uh, the right structure in place. But I think it's really sad. It really is sad because this is... A level that doesn't put food on your table as an owner, right? Maybe soccer in general, you're not going to get rich off of it. But I think if you do it right, and if the system works for every single club, I think you can see uh, owners making a decent amount of money out of it and having that return on investment. It's just owners and investors throwing their money into a pot and they're never seeing it back. And they're just doing it for the love of the sport. They're just doing it for their community. But to a point, these are private businesses, right? These are businesses that eventually want to make some money. They want to make some money while also giving back to their community. So I will leave it at that. I want to thank Ty Otto for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it. 
And like I said, Ty, if you do eventually get some uh, emails or texts or calls from MPSL leadership, please reach out to First Team Podcast. I would love to get you back on the show and to uh, walk me through and walk the listeners through what that response was from NPSL leadership. Because at the end of the day, my message to NPSL leadership and to NPSL stakeholders is that you have a voice, right? Please express it. If there's somewhere in the bylaws that says that you can't speak up, that you can't tell it as it is, face the consequences. Because you're the one that is being held back because of something that you signed. And people might say that you signed it, you should have read it, and you should have worked that out. But that's in the past. So First Team Podcast, we have that platform that you can come on. If you want to be an anonymous source, you can email us at firstteampod at gmail.com. We can work out that credibility um, because we want you to be... um, a genuine person with uh, the right information. So if you want to share some information um, without being revealed, you can email us at firstteampod at gmail.com and we can go from there. Or if you want to talk on the record, you can send us an email or you can uh, message us on Twitter and on Facebook at firstteampod and we will um, hopefully have you on the show in the near future to discuss your experiences because I think fans... And other stakeholders throughout the game need to understand what's going on behind the scenes because their clubs, their players, their owners are feeling the brunt of those decisions that they never had a chance to argue and to to decide on and to come to that agreement. So again, I think it's really sad, but I think over time, first team podcast and with um, sharing more details... Hopefully we will bring and uh, help bring change to the MPSL with other people, with other stakeholders, and with owners on the inside. So thanks again for tuning in to First Team Podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thanks to Ty Otto for joining the show. And as always, let's go New York Cosmos.